welcome back to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From public health to Buddhist ethics, soft matter to classics and art history to globalisation, or showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects for wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's Very Short Introduction. Hi, my name is Alex Pritchard and I've taught at the University of Exeter for the past 10 years and I'm here today to introduce my new addition to the Very Short Introduction series, which is on anarchism. So my area of research is anarchism, unsurprisingly, uh, but specifically I'm interested in what the anarchists thought about international affairs. So I want to understand these ideas in their own terms, but also to see if these ideas can inform our current theories of world politics. I've also edited three collections of essays on the historical, philosophical and uh, political intersections between anarchism and Marxism, mainly because I was tired of the sort of standard narratives of factionalism and division and wanted to show that there was another story to tell one of sort of mutual influence and hybridity. But my PhD was on anarchism, and it provided the first contextualised reading of Proudhon's War and Peace, published in 1861. War and Peace is one of five books that Proudhon wrote about international relations that few in the field ever seem to have read. The title of that book might ring bells for you, and so it should. Leo Tolstoy secured a written introduction from Alexander Herzen, and in April 1861 went to see him for a couple of weeks in Brussels, and there they discussed uh, politics and international relations. When Proudhon died in 1865, Tolstoy was in the middle of writing his own book, which was first serialised under the title 1815, which was a nod to the treaties that ended the Napoleonic Wars, uh, but when Tolstoy published it as a novel, he renamed it War and Peace, and there's good evidence to suggest he took more than just the title from Proudhon. Anyway, this very short introduction to anarchism that I'm going to introduce for you today tells more stories like this. What I try and do is bring anarchism out of the shadows to show how central anarchist ideas are to our everyday lives and how anarchist ideas, how anarchist social and political movements, even anarchist pop culture from punk to Banksy or V for Vendetta to Alex Comfort's The Joy of Sex, how these have shaped the world around us. The book tells an anarchistic story about how we got where we are today. It tells a story about where the world of capitalist nation states on the brink of climate collapse came from. It gives a counter history of 21st century through such stories as the anarchists involvement in the struggle for the eight hour workday in the 1880s or the debates around war and peace in the 20th century and their visions for policing, health services, work and education. What first got me interested in the topic of anarchism was suspicion and disbelief. I was highly suspicious of so-called realist theories of world politics that posited that man's aggressive or self-interested and acquisitive nature was what shaped world history. States, by this account, were natural, inevitable, transhistorical. They'd been with us forever and will be with us forever. And it is states that shape society. And it just didn't resonate with me. I grew up in rural North Wales. I looked around me and all the sorts of things I saw were you know, mutual aid, families, communities, even internationalism and, and culture. And I thought to myself, doesn't any of this matter? I look out of my window. I couldn't see wars. Something else must have been holding societies together. We all knew that communities were often the object of rapacious activity like colonialism, uh, but they persisted in spite of this. Uh, and it's that that made life tolerable. So where did those sorts of sentiments and feelings fit in this story? Anarchism provided part of an alternative explanation for how communities formed and persisted and how it's broken too. But it wasn't until years later that I discovered that the anarchists had written volumes on international relations that no one in my discipline ever told me about. 
But making sense of Proudhon's writings on the subject of war and peace and then making those books sensible to contemporary scholars, even the general public, was anything but easy. And this is what brings me to the very short introduction. So in writing that thesis, I joined a wider group of scholars to rethink the history of anarchism, where it had come from, how it had spread, what the main ideas were and who it appealed to, and of course, where Proudhon fit into that story. I came to see that anarchism simply wasn't very well understood in higher education or amongst the general public. As my friend Jesse Cohn has said, by the turn of the 21st century, there was a stronger and more accurate memory of anarchism on the streets, so to speak, than in the academy. And bringing those two back into conversation with each other has been a central part of my academic work on anarchist constitutional politics since. So this VSI draws on that revisionist history of anarchism that members of the Anarchist Studies Network and others have been developing for nearly 20 years now. There's one key misconception about anarchism that the book seeks to remedy, and that's the idea that anarchism was the product of the merger of liberalism and Marxism in the late 19th century, that it was predominantly a European movement that flourished between the 1880s and the start of the Second World War, and that it's more a philosophical movement than a social movement as such is all fine in theory, but it'd never work in practice, which explains why I suppose most people think that anarchism has had little lasting effect on our culture and very little to offer for the future. Of course, none of this is true. In fact, anarchism emerged out of the French socialist and republican movement of the 1840s, and it's more accurate to say that Marxism and liberalism also emerged out of that too. Anarchism was a global movement by the end of the 1850s and was central ideological tendency of the global socialist movement right up to the 1940s and 50s. Anarchism and its militant labour tendency, anarcho-syndicalism, was a mass labour movement across Latin America, South and Southeast Asia, Australia, the Middle East, North Africa, in particular Egypt, and of course Europe, right up to the 1960s. Anarchists were central to countercultural politics in the interwar years and subsequently, from the so-called Battle in Seattle in 1999 through to the ultra-globalisation movement and onto Occupy Wall Street, anarchists have been central to the contemporary uh, radical left protest movements including the climate justice movements. So anarchist ideas have been central element of critique across the left that offer radical alternatives to life under capitalist nation states. Now the central focus for anarchists is freedom and what stands in its way. Anarchists have a great sensitivity to unjustifiable power and domination and wherever they spot it they seek to criticise and dismantle it. The latter part is really important but for anarchists and Marxists Bourgeois private property is a key instrument of modern domination. Private property, to be clear, is dominium over a thing. That is the right to use and abuse to exclude others from the enjoyment of a thing. And this right to use and abuse is protected by law, which in other words means states will protect your legal claim to property by force. In other words, there's nothing natural about private property or the states. They exist in symbiosis in order to maintain and sustain capitalism. But how is this domination, you might ask? Proudhon's most famous claim, and the argument that kick-started radical socialism, indeed anarchism, is that property is theft. So what does he mean by this? Well, a number of things. But first and foremost, the only way to make something private is to take it away from communal ownership and to have possession, that private possession, defended by force. That is where the theft comes from. He argued that all things are naturally held in common. Usufruct is the standard de facto mode of ownership. In other words, we're custodians of things, often in common, but in private too. We hold all things in common because no object exists or came into being without the input or help of others. And we can't take it with us when we die. So all production is communal too, whether that's me making this podcast or writing the book or making the computer I use for that. It'd be impossible for me to do it alone. I rely on the input of so many others and other things. 
So the additional value that accrues through this collective labour is more than simply the sum of the parts of that process. There's an emergent social property, or what Proudhon called the surplus value, and that surplus value is generated by collectivising labour. So the main way for capitalists to profit is to pay individual labourers less than the full value of the collective output of their labour, and to pocket the difference as profit that accrues to title, which is essentially rent. For example, today, huge and rising profits are fueling inflation, despite declining wages and higher productivity. If we're more productive than ever before and being paid less, is it any wonder profits are rising? The reason those profits don't accrue to the labourer is because of the way property relations are structured in this country. This process isn't natural or the only way of doing things. It's a choice and it's one that is enforced through the threat of state violence, including incarceration. Now, historically, property emerged out of slavery, the epitome of unfreedom for anarchists and Republicans alike. And by the way, I'm not talking about the Republican Party in North America. Now, anarchists noticed that slavery was central to the possibility of commercial society in the early modern period, because it was the ideological template for modern notions of private property, possession and dominion. It is for this reason that anarchists are anti-capitalists. Capitalism is a system of enslavement by this account, which is enslavement by means of property relations that are enforced by the state. So colonialism, both within the UK and overseas, was the enclosures of land, the expropriation of the land of others, and the exploitation of land and people for the profit of the metropolitan centres. For anarchists writing uh, from the 1860s through to the Second World War, war and violence was the expression of an attempt to deal with this central contradiction created by capitalism, the need to profit to feed the rentier class, and not by the so-called natural instincts of men. So in one way, this general labour theory of value helped explain the basic contradictions I understood or saw when I looked out the window uh, when I came from Wales. Thank you very much for listening. My hope is that this book will help reset public perceptions of anarchism, for better or worse, and I hope you read it, debate it, and importantly, use it to inform your community building for a better future. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Instructions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite app, such as Apple or Spotify, to receive all of our episodes directly in your feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at Oxford Academic. Thank you.